This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. This is Chris Dunty of the Catholic Review. Today on Catholic Review Radio, we will be talking about Blessed Stanley Rother, an Oklahoma priest who was trained at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg and martyred in Guatemala. Blessed Stanley Rother's feast day is July 28th. In our first segment, we will talk with Monsignor Thomas Tuis, who was a classmate of Father Rother at the Mount. Both men were ordained in 1963. In our second segment, we will talk with Maria Scaparlanda, author of the definitive biography of Father Rother, titled The Shepherd Who Didn't Run. Welcome to the show, Monsignor Tuis. Thanks for being with us. Okay. Stanley Rother grew up on farms in Oklahoma. He did a lot of manual labor. And from what we've read about him, he originally was asked to withdraw from seminary in Texas because of low marks, partly because it's rumored that he took on too many extra labor-intensive duties. But his bishop in Oklahoma saw potential in him and sent him to the mount for a final chance. When you met Stanley, what was he like? We were kind of drawn to each other, I guess you would say. We had a, a kind of a common background in insofar as our uh, road to the, um, the priesthood. I had some problems along the way as well as he did. Uh, but he was a quiet person. Between the two of us and, a, and a, another gentleman, another seminarian from Harrisburg, we did a considerable amount of work together on the Grotto of Blessed Virgin Mary. Stan had a special devotion to the Blessed Mother, and I did as well. And so what kind of work did you do at the Grotto? Well, we started off by just cleaning it up. It had been neglected for a long while. Uh, and then we would uh, uh, prepare the, the clean out the stream between the in front of the Grotto and uh, and uh, for the most part, just uh, keep it clean and, and, and neat looking, cutting some grass and trimming and the like. And then uh, when Monsignor Phillips got involved, uh, things really took off at the grotto. Uh, he was able to raise a lot of money for uh, the Stations of the Cross and the Decades of the Rosary and the large statue on uh, the parking lot for the uh, Blessed Mother. Uh, we simply uh, did whatever he asked us to do in order to make the grotto more attractive. That's awesome. Monsignor Tuis, could you have imagined at that time that Father Rother would eventually go into mission work in Guatemala just five years after ordination? Had, had he talked about that at all during seminary? No, he hadn't. You remember Pope John XXIII made an appeal to the United States to help out with the people in in Central Maryland. Uh, it was at that time then, uh, in the uh, around 19, the early 60s, that Oklahoma adopted the mission in Guatemala. Stan mm-hmm. wanted to go right away, but the bishop wanted him to spend some time in the diocese first. 
So after five years of a couple of parishes that he was assigned to, uh, he again asked if he could go to Guatemala, and it was granted by Bishop Reed. Mm -hmm. Do you have some specific memories about your time together in the seminary you'd, you'd like to share? Not specifically, I guess. Uh, Stan was uh, a, a very good tenor voice, uh, and it both a enunciation, the first uh, seminary he was in, and the Mount in both of them. He was a member of the choir and the scholar, uh, and uh, I couldn't sing worth a darn. Uh, but he was, had a beautiful voice. That's neat. Monsignor, you have another dear friend who many of us in the Archdiocese of Baltimore consider to be a saint, Monsignor Art Valenzano, who passed away in 2015, and, and you preached the homily at his funeral. What are the attributes of men, such as Blessed Stanley Rother and Monsignor Valenzano, that draw people closer to God? I think it was the love of the priesthood, um, his love for them as well. Uh, both Art and Stan were not people who would uh, say a negative thing about anybody. Uh, and they they both had great smiles and personalities, uh, which attracted people of every age, from youth right through with a senior citizen. Uh, both of them uh, could do that. Uh, but they were just very, very friendly, very open uh, uh, and very genuine with people. Yeah, I think the sense that people get, uh, certainly I knew Monsignor Art, not as well as you did, but I, I did know him, and he just exuded a joy in in Jesus, in knowing Jesus, that you couldn't help get on board with. You couldn't help sharing in that joy, right? I mean, it, it was Father right. Stan like that? Uh, Stan had a, a great love for the poor, uh, and uh, they took care of the poor in, in his parish uh, in Guatemala. Uh, and um, I, I think that was one of his, his great attributes, uh, the love and, and, and uh, that he showed for the poor and the care that he gave to them. That's awesome. But not all of us can be like Father Rother. We don't all have a chance to go to Central America to work with and for the poor people there. Most of us, you know, thank God, won't be martyred for the faith. But how can normal folks emulate holy people such as Blessed Stanley Rother? By living the gospel to the fullest. And does that mean sharing the gospel with other people or, or just sharing the living it out in your own life? People, living it out to the fullest. Uh, the two great commandments of loving God and loving one's neighbor uh, both Stan and, and Art did that to the fullest. Uh, they were they were beautiful, loving people uh, who loved the priesthood and loved the work they were doing. As they stand at one time said, he was a Christian for his own benefit, but he was an ordained priest for the benefit of others. Oh, and he neat. gave himself in the service of others. Yeah. And it sounds like that priests who are dedicated to Mary as well also just seem to have a great connection because they know they know that you know when they love Mary they love Jesus and vice versa when they love Jesus they love Mary. Right. 
Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. We're talking with Monsignor Thomas Tuis. He was a classmate at Mount St. Mary's Seminary with Blessed Stanley Rother, whose feast is coming up on July 28th. Thanks so much for talking with us today. You're welcome. God bless you. Thank you. After the break, we're going to talk with Maria Scaparlanda, author of the definitive biography of Blessed Stanley Rother. This is Chris Gunty, associate publisher and editor of the Catholic Review, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. In the wake of the decision by Pope Francis to put limits on the celebration of the traditional Latin Mass, Baltimore Archbishop William E. Lorry said in a July 19 statement that further study of the norms will help determine how the norms apply in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Quote, in the meantime, Archbishop Laurie said, the current practice will continue and going forward, every effort will be made to meet the pastoral needs of those who frequent Holy Mass in the extraordinary form, end quote. Saying he was acting for the good of the unity of the Catholic Church, Pope Francis, July 16, restored limits on the celebration of the Mass according to the Roman Missal in use before the Second Vatican Council. The decision overturned or severely restricted permissions St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI had given to celebrate the Trinitine Rite Mass. His apostolic letter, Guardians of the Tradition, declares liturgical books promulgated after the Second Vatican Council to be, quote, the unique expression of the Lex Orandi, or Law of Worship of the Roman Rite, end quote. Restoring the obligation of priests to have their bishops' permission to celebrate according to the Extraordinary or Pre-Vatican II Mass, and ordering bishops not to establish any new groups or parishes in their diocese devoted to the Old Liturgy. Priests currently celebrating Mass according to the Old Missal must request authorization from their bishop to continue doing so, Pope Francis ordered, and for any priest ordained after the document's publication July 16, the bishop must consult with the Vatican before granting authorization. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Ten Polish nuns have been approved for beatification as martyrs 76 years after they were killed while resisting rape and facing other atrocities by Soviet soldiers in the final months of World War II. Pope Francis approved the beatification of the women religious June 19. The women ranged in age from 29 to 70, were all members of the Congregation of the Sisters of St. Elizabeth. They were chosen from among more than 100 murdered St. Elizabeth sisters based on the availability of documentation and witnesses, according to a spokesman for the congregation. The religious order, founded in mid-19th century Cilicia to nurse cholera and typhus patients, was one of many facing brutality during the 1944-45 Soviet sweep through Poland. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. 
This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Our guest this segment on Catholic Review Radio is Maria Scaparlanda, who wrote the definitive biography of Father Stanley Rother, The Shepherd Who Didn't Run. Maria Ruiz Scaparlanda is a Catholic writer and journalist. She was born in Cuba and grew up in Puerto Rico. A freelance writer since 1981, she's the author of several books and has been published regularly in numerous national and regional publications and newspapers. She and her husband, Michael, live in Norman, Oklahoma. They have four adult children, and she blogs at Day by Day with Maria. Welcome to the show, Maria. So glad to have you back with us. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. The 40th anniversary of Father Stanley Rother's martyrdom is coming up on July 28th. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about his background and what led him to serve the very poor in Guatemala? He's from a middle-of-the-country, regular farming family in a small town named Okarchi, Oklahoma. It's a different world than most of us live in, but it's a world that a lot of the middle-of-the-country average Americans relate to, whether they're farming or not. And one of the things that I love about him is that he's one of the regular people. He was the oldest of five. Um, one of the children died in infancy, so he grew up as the oldest of four. Went to a Catholic school, K through 12 in Okarchi. And in his senior year, uh, announced to the family that he felt called to the priesthood. He went off to San Antonio where he uh, began minor seminary and then started seminary. And he did not do very well in seminary. Uh, he struggled with Latin and all the books were in Latin at that time. We're talking about a man that was born in 1935. So, um, you know, it's a, a little different from our world, but not so far that we can't touch him. Mm -hmm. um, his uh, brother and sister are still alive, and his brother still farms and lives in the same house that Father Stan was born in. <laughs> wow. You know, it's it's near enough that, that it's a saint we can touch and literally uh, go to all the places where he walked. Mm -hmm. So this man fails uh, first year of theology in seminary and uh, comes home, and the Bishop asked him what he wanted to do, and he said he still felt called to the priesthood. He is then on kind of on a holding pattern as they were trying to find a seminary that would take him. And it was uh, Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg in your um, diocese that kind of folded him in, and he did wonderful there. He was there for four years, completed his studies, did very well. Uh, he loved that beautiful grotto uh, that the, they have at the top of the hill. It's such a holy place with Elizabeth Ann Seton right there down the down the street. Um, I was able to visit there a few years ago, and it, it really is a this small town that he could relate to. I'm sure. Yeah. But so much so much holiness walking the streets there. <laughs> Yeah, one of his classmates, Monsignor Thomas Tuis, who we spoke to in the first part of the show, recalled that as classmates, he and Stan uh, did a lot of work cleaning up the grotto. Yes, yeah. Very devoted to Our Lady. And uh, and I'm glad that he was one of the ones that, that did that with him, because that was a huge part of him. You could, in, in his letters home, he would always mention that work he was doing. And he had this funny diary 
that his sister didn't even, his sister is a religious from Wichita, Kansas, and Sister Marita um, looks at the journal and is thinking of this very German, uh, serious man that she knew as her brother and has this funny diary that is five lines for each day for five years. Wow. And so it, it, they're all like one-liners, like worked at the grotto today. The weather was wonderful. <laughs> you know? Anyway, she got a real kick out of that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he, he, he became a priest for the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City. Um, ordained in 1963 at the cathedral. And just five years later, he volunteered to go to the Oklahoma mission in Santiago, Atitlan, Guatemala. And really it was just providential that all of those things were working together, uh, that Oklahoma a diocese that at the time was the entire state, it was Oklahoma City and Tulsa. And this mission territory here had a mission in Guatemala. I mean, how do you explain those things? Um, it, it was a direct result of uh, the Pope's call for all the Catholics in the North America continent to send missionaries to Central and South America. And you see that still in Guatemala because there's a lot of diocesan missions that are still still in, in action there. But ours, uh, the Oklahoma one, had been going on for just a couple of years. And when Father Stan got there, he was a team of 12. And as the years went on, he was there for 13 years until he was killed. And he, um, he was the last one. He was the one that remained. Your biography of him is called the shepherd who didn't run. Why is it called that? As Central America was was in a lot of turmoil, and it wasn't just Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador. Father Stan was martyred just one year after Archbishop Romero. So that kind of gives you a sense of it wasn't just there; it was everywhere. Everything was in turmoil, and in there was a lot of suffering and a lot of misunderstanding of what it was that the church was there to do. And I think Father Stan, his sense was that the best thing that he could do for his people was to stand with them and to stay with them. And in his final letter, uh, which of course at the time he didn't know it was his final letter, but it was a Christmas letter that he wrote to the Catholics in Oklahoma. And he would do that regularly and it was published in the diocesan papers. He wrote a letter describing his situation, and he said, um, the shepherd cannot run at the first sign of danger. Pray for us that we may be a sign of the love of Christ for our people, that our presence among them will fortify them to endure these sufferings in preparation for the coming of the kingdom. That our presence among them will fortify them to endure these sufferings. That was him, mm-hmm. his presence. And that was the gift that he gave his people that he stayed with them until the very end. That must have been a very significant thing for them because when he was martyred, you know, we use the word about um, 
we, we used we refer to the heart as something to signify that which is very important. I left my heart in San Francisco. I give you my heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's used in all kinds of ways. When when he was martyred, his body was going to be returned to Oklahoma, but the parishioners at Santiago, the parroquia apostle, Santiago apostle, they um, requested from his family that his heart remain there. And his parents, to their credit, said yes. And his heart was buried under the altar there, and it's still there. That says a lot. I mean, that's not just a, an, an image. It was like, to them, his heart was with them. His yeah. presence was among them. Absolutely. What does it mean for Blessed Stanley Rother to be the first American declared a martyr for the faith? I think that's tremendous. And we need his example. The fact that he was martyred is, I think, what we uh, maybe calls attention to him. But it was the fact of how he lived his every day with the people that I want people to know about. I want them to know that this first American martyr was a regular Joe from a small town in the middle of flyover country who gave his whole heart to God and in serving him, went to the mission in Guatemala and there he stayed with the people that he knew he was called to serve. On a day-to-day -day was a pretty mundane world. He was a parish priest. He was a diocesan priest. And that is something that I think the American priests and the American parishes can definitely relate to. Maria, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on with the canonization cause for Father Rother and the shrine that's being built in Oklahoma City in his home archdiocese? So in December of 2016, 16, Pope Francis recognized um, Father Stanley's martyrdom, and he was beatified on the September 23, 2017. So we're coming up now on the fourth anniversary of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, not a math person. <laughs> um, there are, um, there are definitely miracles that are being uh, studied and that, you know, that goes through the regular process. He's at a point, he was the first male to be beatified, born in the United States. You know, we have three saints born in the United States. All of them are women. We have no men. None of our saints are local, mm. like homegrown tomatoes. Right. <laughs> And uh, we need them. And I think he it would be such a perfect guy to lead the charge to be the first American saint. Where he is right now, he needs a miracle uh, to be canonized. Um, locally, what we're doing is speaking about him as much as we can, letting people know about this holy man that is an American that you can relate to on a different kind of level. We need the local saints, you know. We need the ones that you can say, um, yeah, I can go down to the bar where he used to go have chicken with his family, you know. <laughs> right. We, we, we need that.
or I can visit the grotto that he helped clean up back in back in his seminary days. Yes, exactly, right there in in Emmitsburg. Yeah, right. I, I think those things are important, especially as Catholics. We we like tangible things that we can touch and smell, and you know, he is all of that. He is a simple man who has a lot of qualities of service, of generosity, of dedication to God, and when we build this, the, there's a shrine coming up, and it's looking beautiful. I hope you come see it, Chris. We wanted that to reflect who he is. And so it has a very um, colonial Spanish flair to it. And it's going up right on the interstate that crosses Oklahoma City north-south. You can see it as you drive. So it'll be nice for people to say, hey, what is that? Let me, why don't we stop by there? And uh, the the hope and the prayer is that it will be for next year is when we will have it ready to go. But it, it's a beautiful, uh, it's a big land area. Oklahoma is right here is very flat, so you can see forever and you'll be able to see it from far away. It has a Pepeyak hill across the church so that if people want to go to the church and then climb up to the top and get a sense of his devotion for Mary. So we hope the shrine will reflect who he he was and he is to to the church here in Oklahoma and to the United States Church. Very good. Well, you can get more information about Blessed Stanley Rother at the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City's website, archokc.org slash Stanley Rother. That's R-O-T-H-E-R. We have been talking today with Maria Ruiz Caprilanda about the life and martyrdom of Blessed Stanley Rother, whose feast day is July 28th. Thank you so much for being with us today, Maria. I am delighted. Anytime. I love to talk about him, but I definitely love the connection that we have with your archdiocese in Baltimore. Very good. Thank you so much. This is Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Review Radio. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.